And we are live with our 93rd episode of Absolute Absec. I'm Ken Johnson at CK Tricky on Twitter, joined by my co-host Seth Law at Seth Law on Twitter. Seth, say hi. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another show. I'm really excited about today's guests. Uh, we'll get into introducing them really quick. Um, but as far as announcements and everything else that's going, um, Ken and I are teaching our Secure Code Review course next week at Virtual AppSec Days. Uh, consider us if you're going to attend or if you want to jump in on that course. It'll be two four-hour sessions, so it's not quite as long as the normal one. But at the very least, we're going to be covering the same content. And we're going to be giving you homework because we just can't get through everything in you know four hours right? Um, and in two days. But at the same time, it, it's still useful, and we'll, we'll have a lot of hands-on and code for you to look at. So um, outside of that, I don't think there's really any other announcements outside of the fact that everyone's still stuck at home, um, obviously, right? Like even our guests. Uh, and um, stay safe. I don't know. Ken, did you have anything else that you wanted to bring up before we jump into it? Uh, no, uh, nothing else. OK. Cool. You want cool. me to go, go into introductions? Yes. Okay. This is where I try to not butcher names. So we've got the um, the the team, the co-founders of Hunter.dev. Um, so we've got Jake Maimoni, uh, Jamie Sloan, and Adam Nygate. Hopefully that's not perfect. Awesome. Ken's going to be way less stressed now. He said names. Yeah, <laughs> that was like my only thing that I was stressed about. So cool. We're good. Everybody's name. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Let's maybe go around and just kind of give introductions as far as like what you do at uh, Hunter Dev, like what your position is. Um, I know we've got you know fair amount of talent here. So, and we lost Adam. So. Oh, no. Well, well, we'll let him back in once he comes on. Yeah, so uh, yeah, what about you? Let's start with you, Jake. Cool. Yeah. So uh, my role is, uh, so I'm CMO at uh, 418sec, uh, which is the company that runs hunter.dev. Um, my role is essentially to uh, run the community, get involved. Uh, we have Discord channels. We use obviously Twitters and Facebooks and whatnot um, to kind of just engage with the community. And um, so that's really my sector of it. Okay. The community outreach. Cool. Jamie? And Jamie? Yeah, so I'm uh, the CTO at 418sec. Um, so I basically lead up the software engineering. I look after you know, the development, the platform. Um, I also work you know, really closely with our Git community as well on GitHub. Um, so kind of cultivating um, relationships with uh, contributors, with authors, um, with security-minded contributors as well. And uh, yeah. Okay, cool. I, I think Adam is back now, if you want to throw him back in. Oh, yeah. Okay. I think you should be. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> browser had a hiccup. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm CEO, whatever that's supposed to mean nowadays. Uh, I, I just try to be across uh, as many things. Like, I'm, uh, you know, back, background's a bit of a techie, so I, I kind of help Jamie where, wherever possible um, with whatever he needs me to, to help him on. Um, and then I'm also doing some stuff in the background, um, you know, trying to get us more money from from organizations to help us kind of on our mission and uh, help us uh, support open source code, I guess. Yeah. Cool. 
Good. So, uh, well, let's let's dive straight in. Well, I mean, first of all, like there's 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 four eighteen sec, and then there's hunter dot dev. Um, yeah. Like we're, we're going to get into the hunter dot dev yeah. and securing open source code because I have all sorts of questions about how you're structuring that and how it's actually going. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's talk about four eighteen sec first. Um, what uh, like it? So it sounds like Adam was that something you started or was it a group thing? Uh, you know, what was the initial yeah. background there? Yeah, so uh, yeah, so four one eight seconds started. I don't know a few years ago, um, and uh, it was basically like built off of a, a single like idea light bulb moment. Um, and uh, I kind of brought Jake on shortly after that um, to to kind of help me flesh out kind of like the business and uh, you know how how could securing open source code work you know for a business right. Um, and uh, and then shortly after that, we brought on on Jamie, and then we kind of we had these these two ideas, and, and the, the big one that we're working on at the moment is Hunter. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's like our, our, our bug bounty platform, you know, securing open source code, and that's kind of what we're we're full on at the moment. So, although kind of like the yeah the company from a you know corporation kind of thing is is four one eight sec, uh, Hunter is basically our baby, and it's what we're we're working on every day. Okay. Which makes sense, right? You know, as you're, as you're trying to build out a, a platform or a product and, you know, you have multiple structures, right? Yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty standard. Um, I know like both Ken and I have been involved with start startups in the past and that's always kind of the dream. And hmm. it, it flips between the services side and what you can do to actually what you can build and where you can make money. So, yeah, cool. exactly. So uh, hunter.dev, like obviously, like if anybody hasn't seen it yet, um, go check out hunter.dev. Uh, Ken will post up a link, I'm sure, here in a second. Um, and it's all about securing open source software. Um, I guess there's 418 sec first. Um, but uh, like more as a bug bounty model, right? Like a traditional, hey, you've got, uh, you know, here's a bunch of bugs that we know exist in open source software, go fix them. Um, and like, I, it, you know, as a developer and a security person, I love this idea. Like I have a lot of, que I have questions around kind of like financing, how you're structuring it. It sounds like you're, you're going to organizations and getting, you know, money. I, I mean, the traditional open source model for bug hunting or for bug fixing has been something like Red Hat, right? Like yeah. owned by IBM, they've got a team that that's all they do is they work on Red Hat and they, you know, fix the bugs or whatever that are in there or the maintainers. Sometimes they don't get to it, that kind of thing. So what is it uh, that drove you to start hunter.dev and then um, how it, I, you know, how is it actually structured? Where are you getting those funds to actually fix things? Um, and I think that's a, that's a, almost a really great introduction because like Red Hat is basically the analogy that we use. Um, okay. So we say like, um, I mean, yeah, most people know that open source, generally speaking, has a security problem. Like, you know, not on the kind of the top 1% of packages where they're supported by, um, you know, whomever, whatever enterprises and organizations can support them. Uh, but it's kind of like the rest of open source code, which is to some to some degree unaddressed or like not sponsored from a security perspective. Um, so, so you know, leaning on that Red Hat analogy, we were just like, okay, how can how can we provide that kind of bu you know bug hunting, that kind of scalable fixes for open source, um, but without you know having to hire a ten thousand man you know um, engineer workforce 
which is, I mean, in, in the modern day, it's you know kind of not scalable anymore. It's really difficult to do, and you want to leverage like things like remote working, remote teams, which makes this whole bureaucracy of big organization difficult. And we were just like, okay, let's let's look at what other people are doing, take inspiration from organizations like HackerOne and from GitHub and you know open source in general, and let's crowdsource it. Um, and that kind of like became the 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 the, the root idea behind uh, Hunter. So, um, and, and Hunter is kind of like this hybrid model because kind of classical bug hunting has always been, you know, identification of bugs to a great degree, right? So like you look at HackerOne or any kind of pen testing services, it's all about, you know, finding finding the security issues. Uh, but I mean, it's kind of like the, the, one of the kind of side effects of open source being open is that you can actually have access to the code. You can actually write the fixes yourself so you can kind of patch stuff up. And uh, we were like, okay, well, that's something unique, right? We can, um, yes, uh, pay people, get hunters to identify the security issues, but now we can actually incentivize them to write the code level fixes, to uh, you know, commit those back to the the main repositories, um, and you know, just generally speaking, you know, improve the security of the ecosystem. And so that's the that that's kind of like what we at Hunter are aiming for. And then um, from from you know your second question on you know how we actually you know funding this and all that kind of stuff. Um, so to date, we've raised a little bit of money, which has definitely been really really helpful. Um, and we've also kind of um, been really grateful to get um, some kind of um, cash equivalent incentives from organisations like AWS to to really offset our costs and our overheads. Um, uh, but then, you know, actively at the moment, what we're doing is we're talking to organizations, um, you know, organizations who, who have that kind of like high corporate social responsibility or, or you know, have that that um, that need that, that that wants to want to support and secure open source code. We go to them, and we say, listen, you know, um, provide us a cash pot of money. We will, you know, ring fence it. We'll dedicate them for, for bug bounties. And, uh, you know, we can we can help you support the open source ecosystem like that. Okay, and that makes sense, right? You know, going at it from multiple angles. So, like, one thing that you that you said that you went back to was that, um, like, the traditional bug bounty, right? You're finding the vulnerabilities. Um, I, I know when I was looking at Hunter Dev, it was very much focused on, hey, you're securing the code. Yeah. Is that is that um, the case that you also are identifying bugs in the yeah. in the, so- in the- we kind of we we published the functionality. I don't know, maybe maybe a month ago or two two three weeks ago, maybe um, to actually start accepting disclosures. Um, okay. And so into, like over the last two weeks, I think we received about thirty to forty maybe um, disclosures, and most of these have been like they've either been unaddressed in the ecosystem. They're kind of like fresh vulnerabilities. Um, or um, some of the um, existing platforms to support bug hunting um, have kind of been lax in their response to um, addressing those those security issues. I mean, um, a lot of people, you know, without naming names, a lot of people kind of are upset with certain um, bug hunting platforms because, you know, they could take months to respond. And then when they respond, you have to kind of like fight with them on, you know, is a security issue? Does it, does it meet the requirements to pay out? All of that kind of stuff. And so with our platform, it's a lot more simpler. Um, our kind of like um, mean time to uh, um, review a um, disclosure is a week. And our, and our mean time to get a, a fix against the disclosure is about a week also. Um, so we're, we're now kind of, we, we've, we've brought that time span from, you know, months um, to, to, to weeks and not just the identification vulnerabilities and the payout, but to actually go ahead and fix them. Um, and then 
another difference with our platform is that we we define the payout straight, you know, absolutely upfront. Whereas, you know, a lot of other bug bounty, bug bounty platforms, they're, they're like, okay, if it's uh, after we've uh, reviewed it, if it's above a certain CBSS score, we'll, you know, pay you X or whatever it might be. With our platform, it's, you know, we, we say the fixed price up front um, and, uh, and people know what they're going to get. There's kind of like no questions asked. As long as the, the security, exi- the, the issue exists, they're going to get paid. Okay, cool. So, it, it, like, along those lines, right, um, the... So two three weeks you've you know you've actually started doing more of the the actual like bug identification. Um, before that, I, I mean, I know I went and looked at like the GitHub list of different issues that were already out there for fixes. Um, and I know like Ken and I talk about this all the time is how complex it actually is to go fix bugs. Right? We don't give enough credit to developers, and it's definitely like right now there is this big pool of money for bug bounty. Right? Like, hey, you can go find a bug and. You know, if it's a critical severity bug, it can be tens of thousands of dollars that you get paid for it. I'm pretty sure that developers fixing it on the back end aren't making that same amount of money, right? Because it's not like it's a it's a hard problem. Um, if you've ever tried to do that on any code base, especially one that's 20 years old, right? like I, I, you know, I'm so I, I like as I was looking through the list, I was like, okay, number one. Where did the initial set of data come from? Like, where, where did those bugs, like, where did you pull those from? Um, number two, how are you establishing the, the, the kind of payout levels for the different you know, complexities and for everything that goes into actually fixing those? Yeah. And to, and to tack on to that also, I was curious um, what I, I've seen credits mentioned a few times. So I was curious about that concept as cool. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, and, and so just before going on to those questions. And, and Adam, you, you can you can push this over to Jamie or Jake yeah, too if you want to. I know we're like we're like grilling you. Like I said, like this this is near and dear to our hearts. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to you know, yeah. but go ahead. Uh, uh, before before we pass on the question, I just thought I'd I I just address one of the things he said. Um I, I was reading an article um, you know, I think before the end of last year about how uh, I think it was maybe the European Union put it out um, about their open source bug, bug hunting mm-hmm. projects. Um, and they were saying how um, the world doesn't need more bug hunting platforms. There are plenty of vulnerabilities out there, you know, identifications being made every day. What we need is, is we need skilled developers, you know, writing those fixes and, and making those fixes open source. Um, and, that, and that kind of really like spoke to our heart. That, that's like exactly kind of the, the, the thing that we're trying to address. Um, and then on, on your other points, I mean, Jake, Jamie, who who wants to, to go on and, and talk about those those guys? Those guys? <laughs> I don't mind. Um, so in terms of like where we pick our bugs from, um, it, it, the initial stages, it was very much just about trying to uh, gather a wider rate, whether it be dependent on the severity or dependent on the uh, vulnerability type. Um, we just somewhat picked uh, a, a scale of them and then put them up to start to see like what our initial users are going to touch most. And then we like iterated on that. Um, and actually your question on uh, how do we base pricing is a question which we are still somewhat trying to answer. We would love to be able to uh, uh, set the price based on complexity. That complexity scale is a very, uh, we haven't quite worked out how to scale that yet. At the moment we go off very much CVSS and we're like there's somewhat of a comparison between the two, complexity and uh, severity, but there are, there are so many little nuances to it that that it doesn't really set that. Um, but yeah, that, that question of payout uh, for, um, uh, based on complexity is something which 
we are constantly asking ourselves and constantly trying to get the data to try and get that number right. Um, yeah, that's so a great question. Which doesn't surprise me, right? Like I, um, I mean, because I've done uh, code remediation for organizations before, right? And you know, been past an old Java, you know. Uh, it was what it was in the spring. It was an old Java struts application. They're like, hey, we have like IDOR, like we have authorization issues all over through this. And I look at it and I'm like, well, yeah, you have no like authorization filters, you have no central source, right? And it was like, uh, so actually going through and fixing that vulnerability was, I mean, it was just an incredibly complex, it took forever because of the way that they had structured that code base. And that's that's what I fear. Like I look at some of those and I'm like, oh, it's an authorization issue. That could either be a five minute fix and may, maybe I get lucky there. But if I claim that, and it is one of those code bases um, as a developer, it's very hard to justify, hey, that's gonna take me 10 hours to do when there really isn't like, you know, the, the payout isn't there for my time, right? And I, and I know we have the same, it's, it's kind of that risk versus reward uh, um, algorithm or what, whatever you want to call it that bug bounty people do as well, right? Because there's no, they have no guarantee that they're going to find a, you know, three or four thousand dollar bug if they spend ten hours on this application. Um, so I, I guess it, it, you know, it does translate. Um, but you know, that, that that's my question. I mean, it sounds like you guys come from a development background, so you get it. Um, but it's but it's hard to actually you know justify from my perspective. I'm and curious I, if anybody uses it as a recruiting tool too, like you know, based off of because hmm. some people are trying to get their rep up when they're finding bugs, and then for yeah. fixing bugs, it could be the similar. Exactly. So, um, so on that point, one of the one of the uh, initial ideas that we had to try and gather a little bit of uh, uh, ground spell when we launched Hunter was to go through universities. Um, for that exact reason, uh, the people that are coming out trying to tap into the industry, trying to get involved in the open source community, how do you do that? How do you really start to network within that community? And we wanted to kind of um, make that journey into it a little bit easier and more um, uh, more smooth for those people. And we noticed that a lot of the initial innovators were actually students coming out of university or coming out of studying courses or whatnot. Um, for that exact point, because it was a way for them to build their profile uh, and, and start tapping into that network. Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, like if you if you think about it, I mean, what what university student doesn't want to kind of spend spend some weekends uh, earning some bounties by patching some security issues and then leveraging that kind of like commit history on GitHub, you know, as a kind of like a CV or a profile to then be able to go to an employer and say and say, you know, I've I've you know helped fix uh, you know these things. Um, and, and then even potentially take it one step further, kind of like um, imagine being able to for a student to like if you know that you're the employer you're looking at Barclays or whomever it might be, you know, they could be using um, whatever open source piece of software and you can go in and say, you know, I've already been fixing security issues in this open source piece of software. Right. Is a real, really strong proof of value for that potential employer. So that's definitely uh, uh, something that we're, we're looking to leverage. Um, and then on the on the on the credit stuff, the credits were were like a, a early on um, idea. It was we always we kind of wanted to create a kind of like hybrid leaderboard, but then also some type of rewarding mechanism. So um, we started this idea of credit so that people could you know accrue them. Um, yes, they could you know um, you know utilize them to to 
cash out on you know swag hoodies all of that kind of stuff but it also also acts like a, a type of reputation score uh, that we can internally use to figure out you know who's the best um you know all of that kind of stuff so it's kind of got like a, a hybrid purpose um and then on that on that whole cash algorithm that that's like we have this conversation every day you know how are we going to price these these bounties it's super tough um i, I think we're we're, we're really fortunate that um, a lot of great organizations have done um, a lot of the work in this type of kind of like, um, it's almost like surge pricing space, right? It's like, you know, how, you know, if something is in demand, how do you test to see what the right price is at? Um, and that's the kind of stuff that we're beginning to, to experiment with, right? Like, you know, um, you know, uh, increasing the price, um, you know, uh, you know, as time goes by and with the idea being that eventually the price will be great enough so that people will pick up the bounty. Um, if we could uh, tie tie the price to like a perceived complexity, if we know the solution beforehand, and definitely, but it's just, uh, I think, <laughs> we have a kind of like ML model, yeah, or some kind of super smart algorithm, yeah. Then, then I, then I think we'll we'll build that, and then we'll probably like spin off another company just to sell that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was gonna say if you build that, there's definitely somebody's gonna want to like just that engine would be useful. So exactly. Um, yeah, it's more powerful than like what's the complexity we use now, like Flog or Flay or one of the two. Like, uh, it's tip typically what people use to determine complexity, code complexity. It's interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how, how, how accurate it is, but uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. So I did have a question about what, what is, um, what is the, the concept of being a sheriff? What is, what is, um, how does that work? Cause I saw that you could apply for a sheriff to be a sheriff. I'm happy to go. Or... Oh, oh, well, Jamie works like every day with the sheriffs, making sure the boundaries are reviewed. So maybe Jamie, do you want to jump in? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, we, one of the problems we, we kind of identify would be how could we also ensure that on mass we can review the fixes that are submitted to us, right? Um, so then we thought, okay, well, we're crowdsourcing fixes, so why not just crowdsource reviews as well, right? And this is really, really geared up for that. You know, just get GitHub all kind of the Git systems out there that um, are built for version control and collaboration. Um, the environment was set up for it, so we thought. Um, Let's get and find from the community people who are not only security minded, but want to learn. You know, they want to review code. They're interested in code review. They are interested in, um, you know, collaborating in an in interesting Git flow, contributing to our process. So, um, you know, we, we put out the, the information. We said we're looking for people to help us um, with our code reviews. And um, to, to our surprise, you know, really, really quickly, we got some seriously um, interested AppSec engineers and um um, you know, InfoSec engineers are getting on board saying we really want to join and, um, you know, just out of their spare time, which I think is a really great thing from the open source community. A lot of people who are on there uh, really want to just get involved from an education perspective. And, and we see a lot of demand coming just from that alone, um, which which kind of calls to, to the demand and, and the supply of it. So um, that was really, really exciting for us. And we started, you know, testing it. We we assigned them as reviewers. We started testing and comment, commenting them on the pull requests, really sussing out how this all could work. And, um, you know, we're refining that model in the process of getting reviews for specific fixes. Um, but it, it's only getting better and better. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're seeing it, it really works for us. So, yeah, just, just to somewhat add to that, 
Um, the uh, the initial idea was exactly what um, what James pointing out, right? And we have these sheriffs who are checking these fixes. But actually, since then, we've had a little bit of uh, the data that's that's been coming in from the sheriff uh, uh, from this initial idea that we had has shown us there's there's a few other steps that we can implement along the way. Um, and one of them is in the disclosure steps. So when people are disclosing, we now ask them to write their own unit tests, as you would when you're disclosing to hackers. Oh. And uh, and the hacker one, uh, sorry, and the uh, the sheriff essentially will run that unit test um, at the end of this. So somebody creates a fix, and the sheriff will try to try to break it again, uh, try to use that unit test and see if it passes. And if it passes, then it goes through. If it doesn't, it doesn't. We will then, of course, do our own internal reviews. Um, so once it goes through those steps of sheriffs, um, we, we'll do our own internal ones with our own internal uh, sheriffing team, if you if you could call it that, um, and then pay out the, the the bounties accordingly. But essentially, there's like a couple of layers, and actually, we were thinking of adding a third, which is even like even more of the crowdsourcing peer review model, which was based on a, a GitHub where when somebody um, submits a fix, our community is able to go there and vote up and vote down. And essentially, when it hits a certain amount of votes, then it goes to our secondary section, which is our sheriffs, who will run the unit test and check if it's correct. And then if, if it passes that test, it comes to us and we do the final checks. Um, and that's essentially like the idea that we're going off with the, uh, the sheriffing at the moment. Um, but as, as Adam said, and as Jamie said as well, we're, we're, we're still working on it. We're still reading into it. And we'll, uh, we'll probably come up with some other ideas uh, to, to smooth that out in the future. Yeah, you're doing something. You're doing something new. So, like, it's. I'm sure there's a lot of figuring out, just like how how to, the best, yeah, the best process is, and and yeah, refining that. How do, how does um, how does an open source project get onboarded? Do they reach out? Is it usually they, a situation where they reach out to you, or how does that all work? So, yeah. So today, um, it's it, we don't kind of like have any kind of formal relationship with the open source package like maintainers at all. We we kind of like once a, a vulnerability is either disclosed to us or to a third party, we'll immediately open up a bounty. Uh, we'll then engage with the the, um, the the open source like repository. So we'll like open up an issue. We'll say you know this vulnerability has been found. If you guys want to make some cash, come to come to Hunter so you guys can fix it. Um, uh, so we invite the community to get involved, but at the moment we don't kind of establish a formal uh, relationship. The kind of long-term plan, perhaps we're kind of testing the waters on this, is that we might um, bring on board the packet, the open source maintainers um, to, to be kind of like sheriffs of those um, bounties for their specific package. Because in the end of the day, you know, they are likely the best um, people with regards to like domain knowledge of, you know, the project. Um, but it's just like it's kind of like a hit or miss when they're, whether they're going to be able to deliver a security fix. And that's where kind of like our user base comes in. They, they'll deliver that fix. Um, and that's the kind of the, the approaches that we're, we're looking to take. OK. Have, and then how has the acceptance been? Sorry, Ken, what, you had another No, no, no. That's that, yeah, exactly. Like, I'm, yeah. Acceptance Here. has been good. I think um, the last time we looked at the stats, I think it was uh, around about, you know, 40 to 60 percent by the package yeah. maintainers. Mm. Um, okay. which, which is which is pretty decent, um, and it's kind of it is an iterative process. So like we'll send off a PR to them, um, they'll come back. Oh, can you change this or whatever it might be? And then the 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 original fixer will get involved, and they'll you know do do whatever needs to be changed. Um, so it's, it's very you know collaborative, and we're actually like in we're kind of kind of working on a new 
iteration of the platform to, to take that collaboration to the next level where um, we can have like teams of people working on single fixes together right so whether you know that could be you know three hunters who are just security experts working on a timing attack of some kind of cryptographics library you know or it could be um you know one of the package maintainers and a few security experts who who are all working on the same fix under the same pr um, and then we'll split the bounty uh, between the people uh, so we're also kind of fleshing that out you know that collaborative uh, development of, the, of these fixes do you have Oh, sorry. No, no, I was just going to say, these are actually all uh, like very much suggestions from the community. Uh, a lot of this mm -hmm. stuff has been given to us. So we, yeah. we, uh, we can take some of the credit, but honestly, a lot of it is just from our hunters. And they've yeah. come up with some of these ideas and said, like, try this, what about that? And that's kind of why I thought coming on here was good, because we want to kind of um, try, and, try and tap into more people like that and see whether or not uh, they can come and get involved and start building this with us. Um, uh, and help really secure open source together. Yeah. Yeah, Seth had mentioned Hunter, like, man, that was a while ago, Seth. Uh, you mentioned yeah. them. And you it, well, it was, was yeah, it was, be it was before you guys launched Disclose, right? Mm -hmm. I can't remember where I, you know, whether it was, I, I don't know if you it was. You can like a conference or something. Yeah. What it was. Yeah, somebody mentioned it. It might have been like Absent mm -hmm. Cali or something like that, mm -hmm. that, you know, it, it came up and I was like, ooh, I like, I like this idea because, mm -hmm. you know, getting everything fixed, like you said, securing open source software. Um, but then it, you know, yeah. So reaching out was great, right? I think it, it came up on the podcast from there. So, yeah. You can't, it's every time we go, you go to a conference or we, we go to a conference, come back with some, some cool, but this is <laughs> totally different from, this is really different in a good way, very good way from what we've seen. Um, I was going to ask about GitHub security advisories. If uh, obviously I work for GitHub, so I, I was, it, you know, that's kind of a, a newer thing in the last year. And um, it's kind of, I know, I think we're, the company is a CNA now. Anyways, I'm, I'm curious if you've had people work through that process of like um, distributing GitHub, uh, the G GSC, uh, GSA, the uh, GitHub security advisories mm -hmm. at all. Yeah, so I mean, we've seen them, and uh, we really want to be involved. But it, I mean, uh, it, there there's quite a, a barrier to entry there. I think, um, uh, especially because we we're still quite young in our in for an organization. Um, but no, we're definitely keen to kind of uh, partake in the GitHub Security Advisories. We'd love to, especially because we're like. Uh, we actually got this question by one of our hunters the other day, which is like, could we help with CVE score um, IDing, right? And I said, you know, we're not we're not a CNA, so we can't do that yet, but we hope to in the future. Uh, but even to kind of be involved with GitHub to leverage their their capacity as a CNA would be absolutely great for us. So it's definitely something that we've got on the timeline. It's just uh, I think we're still um, working out the platform, making sure you know it's doing everything it's uh, right for itself like making sure the community are all happy and then looking to kind of get these these bonus things uh, around the community such as like cviding and uh, hooking up with uh, with um uh, github security advisories and whatnot we also were looking at stuff like you know seml and code ql and and uh, github kind of play there and we we absolutely love that we were saying how like we would love for um, uh, hunters to either, you know, find uh, uh, things via CodeQL or SEML, you know, disclose them to us, or even we were thinking like in, down the line, what happens if we just bought the patterns from them, right? Bought, bought the, the right to a pattern so we could just like in for indefinitely just be finding this, you know, vulnerability type uh, based upon that pattern. We, we would absolutely love that kind of stuff. 
um, just so we could, you know, keep keep getting those bounties coming. Um, uh, so yeah, all of these kind of things are what we're what we're looking into. Actually, it's kind of funny because uh, <laughs> John Pullen, uh, who we should probably get on the podcast at some point, Seth. We talk about him enough. Uh, he and I jumped on a call with the CodeQL team this morning, and uh, we were kind of saying something similar, as in like we we want to build more of our internal static analysis off of the the platform they have because it is super powerful, super, you can customize the heck out of it. Uh, anyways, it's just kind of funny, like twice in one day. What are the, what are the odds? <laughs> yeah, no, have you run into a situation? I know, of, I won't name it, but there there's one or one open source organization I know of that has their, they've got the, the open source public repository. They definitely have a private version of that. And I'm curious if you ever uh, run into that where to submit a fix, they basically have to be going through the private repository. Um, just because the reason from that group that they said it's just sensitivity is why, yeah. you know, um, just yeah. having that not public before the fixes in upstream. I think that's like, I, I think it's cool. Like, is that like coding in the open where they kind of like work on a private repo, but then they kind of like every month or so they'll sync to their public repo kind of thing, right? Um, exactly. Yeah, yeah, we. I mean, we haven't, to be honest with you. Um, all of the kind of bounties that we kind of work on are based upon like packages that are published to a registry, you know. So they they, they literally are open source. Um, but saying that, I mean, we could work with private private repositories or private packages. Um, it like the, the our our fixes, our pull requests, they're open source. So you know, if they could, um, uh, you know, do kind of like a, a cross pull request into their private repo, I mean, it's no no different to us. Um, but yeah, we, we just have, we haven't come across it yet. Oh, cool. Yeah. I wasn't sure I, I, I'd asked because I wasn't sure how prevalent that is. I only, mm. like I said, I won't name the, the group, but yeah, I only know of one off the top of my head that's doing yeah. that. I actually, I know yeah, a few yeah, like from my, from my old kind of like life in, 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 uh, old professions. Uh, I know a few organizations who are like that. They like code in the open and then they'll sync up their repos. Um, and you see so many problems come out of it. Uh, you know, stuff like with like secret management and, and all that kind of stuff in the code. Um, I think that it's uh, like there are reasons as to why you should do it. But I think that you lose lots of the benefits of open source. You lose that whole community kind of like because in one of the best things like, that we say all the time is like one of the, the greatest assets of, of open source is the community. Right. Um, and so like if you're just coding in the open where you're kind of not really engaging with the community you're not delivering those those kind of bleeding edge features you know as you are writing them the community can't get involved they can't talk to you about it they can't tell you what they like what they don't like they can't be involved with that development process um so uh, i'm personally not a fan but uh but i i see the the need for it yeah i, I think that the reasoning um from that group was just yeah just like them being concerned about um it being exploited in the wild prior to, yeah. But you know, yeah, it, it's like it, that's more of like a philosophical sort of thing, I would imagine. <laughs> but it's funny, right? Because like, kind of like one of the key um, principles of open source is like the the philosophy of many eyes, right? Like the idea is you know you get so many eyes looking over a package, it's going to you know find any of your issues, and then. The open source community is going to come, you know, to the rescue and, and write the fixes. But I, um, I think organizations like that are right, where it's like um, that philosophy to some extent nowadays is um, 
uh, bit, in my opinion, I think a bit outdated. I think like when when open source was, you know, 3000, uh, you know, pieces of software and you, you're like contributors were like Linus Torvalds, um, then uh, then then. Yeah. Uh, you know I mean? But then the quality code or like the securities to some extent, it was like um, uh, like there was a lot there was a lot more better eyes looking over that kind of code from a code coverage perspective. Uh, but nowadays, I mean, like there are new packages, hundreds probably every single day. And it's like you, you're never going to be able to have enough like security eyes looking over that. Um, and that's yeah, that's kind of like the thing that we recognized and we were like, you know, that's what Hunter wants to address. Right. It's kind of like taking those security eyes, distributing them over kind of a greater landscape. No longer are they restricted to, to only reviewing uh, Libra SSL or, or whatever it might be, you know. Um, that's the that's the kind of stuff that we're 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 enjoying. Uh, Seth is having some internet issues, but that's okay because I have more questions, so I'll just be selfish <laughs> and ask my questions. <laughs> so, sorry, Seth. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, um, oh God, I, uh, what was I going to ask you? There's, uh, God, I had a, I really wanted to know the answer to this question, and I'm like, now I'm, I'm stumbling. Um, <laughs> God, what was it? Uh, it was um, I, I can't, I cannot for the life of me recall what I was going to ask you. <laughs> sure, it was like it was on the, it was like on the tip of my tongue. Again, <laughs> What's that? Oh yeah, no, actually, sorry, I remember the the question I had, which I was like kind of waiting till we were farther into the into the conversation was like, okay, because I'm honestly sick of just talking about this and hearing about the pandemic, but. We're in it. So my question was going to be like, have you seen any change yeah. in frequency of like communication, people trying to find things and fix things? And, and yeah, I'm just curious if you've seen any trends uh, that are impacted by this. I think um, uh, just one, one thing that I, that I probably would I have identified, and it's probably quite a small data point, but we used to get when we, so we upload bounties every Friday. And we used to get a surge of in, uh, like an influx from Friday to Sunday-ish. And then like the users on the platform would maybe drop off on a Thursday and we wouldn't get many signups then or whatever. Um, but actually since Corona's happened, it seems to be more uh, fluid. It seems to be more um, uh, on a daily basis, we get people coming and there are fixes being submitted. And, and the only thing we can put it down to is the fact that everyone's at home. Whether or not it is that, obviously, we'll have, time will tell. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, I think from a community standpoint and from an uh, influx of fixes standpoint, yeah, we have seen a little bit of an effect, uh, a positive effect for us. We're getting more people. More people are on their computers uh, learning new things, wanting to get involved. So it's a good thing. Um, yeah. 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 Well, we, I think, I think anecdotally we've seen, oh, I'm sorry. I don't mean to. No, no, sure. Um, I was going to say like one of the, one of the things that we've um, just not on fixes, but also on review, I've had quite a few um, people coming forward who do have, you know, some more spare time, whether that's because, you know, they finished their day of work at whatever, 5 PM, but they're feeling in the mood to do some code review. We've, we've seen that a bit. So, you know, a good handful of um, more sheriffs have come forward saying, um, I have spare time. I want to educate myself, get some knowledge of what you guys are doing. Um, I'm in open source. I'm in security. I love what you, you know, I love what you're trying to do. Can I, can I get involved? Can I review some pull requests? Mm. Um, so I've definitely I mean, spoken that. Including people who have actually unfortunately lost their jobs. Um, mm. And we're able to somewhat give them something to do as well as potential for payment. So 
yeah. it is we are somewhat helping we've kind of fallen into that space um mm -hmm. uh, that, that we didn't obviously realize would be a space before covid but we we fill a bit of that gap which is nice to uh to kind of be helping on that standpoint as well yeah it is pretty interesting um, for us, it's been also, like you said, because we usually have the same kind of spike that you said for our bug bounty program, um, weekends, obviously like yeah, yeah. whenever you have duty on a Monday, you know, that it's going to be a lot of bug bounty, <laughs> but recently it's been every day, every yeah. single day. And like, and it's some of our best researchers too, are just submitting like really good really good findings and we're like wow <laughs> okay everyone's at home everyone's got time uh this is interesting um and also like uh i think that there's been some um more communication too uh just because I, I i really think that people like to some degree are just wanting to like communicate and just i don't know have some connectivity you, you know yeah. isolated and whatnot i think i think yeah societally we're feeling that and it is kind of tapping into it's it's like dripping into business as well uh people are wanting a little bit more of a connection i mean what we're allowed out one hour a day so if you can go face to face with someone on a webcam or communicate mm. with someone it's just like another touch point and it yeah. does help it helps your mental health and it helps mm. um, yeah so so yeah that's almost been like something interesting that we've been seeing in our community because we actually we run a discord server for kind of like any of our hunters who kind of want a more you know personal touch with us you know we we like um do our stand-ups in there you know where anybody can listen in we'll like demo off new features and we'll you know take feedback and whatnot from them and um recently like but i mean like when you're building a community like this um uh you know, it starts off, okay, it's like very factual or it's like all announcements or, you know, like the odd bug request or whatever. But recently, as the community has been growing, and I think it's it's on that kind of like, like almost like to some extent loneliness or like isolation because of the because of the, the lockdowns. Um, so many more people are getting involved in the channels because they, they, they're just looking for that, you know, that, that, that uh, social touch point. They're looking to collaborate, they're looking to kind of, you know, be involved with other people. Um, and so that's been really, really uh, good for us um and uh and then on on that on that whole like spike we've been seeing um yeah i mean that's been absolutely great uh and i think yeah we are we are kind of um trying to provide those new opportunities for people uh you know who I, i'm not sure what the state's kind of like job retention programs look like um but here in in the kind of the U uk and europe we've had like basic it's like fur like the furlough scheme is like the, the biggest one um, or, you know, some people are just getting, you know, completely laid off and, you know, to give people something to do and, you know, another way to make cash, I think is uh, really great. Um, so that's what we've kind of been, we've been purposely trying to push out more and more bounties so that we can provide, you know, as, as many opportunities to our users as possible to, to, to earn some of that cash. Did you say that you're, I'm sorry, I was going to ask about your stand-up yeah, meeting. Go for it, go for it. Yeah, yeah. stand-up meetings open source then? Is that what you're <laughs> Yeah, we try yeah. to, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, so we, we host, so, we host uh, every morning and, and we, we basically decided, um, you know, sometimes we have a good old laugh together. Why not? Why not kind of open it up to the Discord community? Um, we host on our Discord, so it's only yeah. just a matter of dragging ourselves into a different channel um, and then kind of sharing that with different people. So sometimes people from all over the world just kind of sit in, they listen in, they're like, um, wow, like I learned a lot about, um, you know, Agile today. Or it was interesting to hear like what you're trying to do with AWS or... Um, there's certain issues that the team is having for, for different reasons. And, mm -hmm. 
um, it's great that students, you know, not only just professionals who are in the community can kind of learn that stuff with us. Um, so yeah, definitely open source stand-ups. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah we uh, and it, it is as Jamie said, just on our Discord, we have like a private chat and then also a behind-the-scenes chat. And every uh, most mornings we'll go there and sit and have a conversation about what we're building and whatnot. And people will join. And in the future, in the future, we'd love to even um, uh, live stream our uh, checks. We'd love to like mm. our reviewing process so people can learn off the back of that. I think we've just lost the question, guys. So. You might have missed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry about that. Uh, my, yeah, my, my internet access today has just been one of those things. No, but, uh, he's back. Also, yeah. also, just yeah. Apparently, no, we're all having issues today. Sorry. Uh, just, just on that on that whole stand up thing, and I, like I'm not sure you know how how you guys are in your stand ups, but like I mean. For every every single like agile company I've ever worked in, you know, standups always like it's supposed to be you know five minutes, you know, thirty seconds each person, or you know, minute and a half each person. It never ever is like that, and you always get rabbit holed. You always like go you know dive deep into into something. And we've actually we found that um, by not uh, or by doing it in our public channel, and because we're kind of you know more so cautious in what we talk about, or you know, diving into something which could reveal a secret or, or whatever it might be. Uh, that we've actually kind of been constraining that 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 rabbit holing, which has been really really great. So now mm. you know we're not doing stand ups yeah. for forty five minutes; we're doing them for like I don't know yeah. seven, eight, nine minutes kind of thing. Which <laughs> is good for us. You know, it, it sounds and, and it, it's funny because I've I've heard this from from people that are that are n some are new to working from home, and then uh, like a couple that come to mind that are working from home, they're used to it, but they have uh, like children and obligations and it's funny to hear how i either situation i they've all like i've heard this numerous times where people are talking about how it's like they've learned to work very efficiently and focus on whatever thing they're doing mm. and just getting that done so they can get to the other things and then they end up in a shorter period of time getting a lot more done and being just far more efficient because there's less yeah. there's not you don't like say like oh i gotta be here from this time to this time and you know it's just like let's just get this so it's interesting it's it's interesting like, how like task -based rather than actually regimenting yeah. your time you have to complete these three things by the end of the day do it and then you come back and you review at the end of the day it's mm. much more like yes yes and instead of just like you need to sit in this chair yeah. this hour <laughs> we do this this hour we do this this hour. No. yeah these yeah. things get done uh, that's actually one of the uh one of the biggest reasons uh, people are, or some people are pushing for four day week, uh, four day weeks, um, because it seems that when you have, uh, when you have, I guess not less time, but when when you are given more control of your time and it's based off of just tasks, you have to complete this by the end of the week. People can constrain it into those four days, uh, knowing that they'll have that extra day off. Yeah, um, and that's that's one of the arguments for a four day weekend. Like you, you, you become more productive in the four days then it would be on five. Seth and I talk about that in our search code. Yeah. Review. Yeah. <laughs> we really do. I, I, I don't know. I, it's been interesting I, where we've worked from home for years. So I think, and I don't know about you guys at 418 sec, if you've done that for a while or, you know, what, what your, your structure is there because I've missed half the conversation today, but um, <laughs> the, like it's been interesting as a, you know, as a contractor, as a consultant the last, you know, month, because I like, if anything, I'm busier because of the people that are working from home now and are more efficient. I get requests from them where, 
hey, you know, in a typical week, I may get two or three requests from them. And now I'm getting mm. like five to 10, right? Out of the same like organization, the same people that are that want different things from me. And I'm like, but then that spread across, you know, 10 different clients. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh my word, I'm working like, you know, 60 hour weeks to try and just like do what I was doing before. And it's all because people are working from home. And so I'm kind yeah. of looking forward to the whole, all right, <laughs> let's get let's get done with this. So I can get back to my normal schedule and not feel quite as stressed out. I, it, it's, you know, I, like whatever, you know, we're making it work, but it does feel like we're working more hours to get it to, to support people in the situation. Um, are you guys remote only or what's your, you know, you got offices, what's the, um, we, we bounce back and forth really. Like we, we okay. were remote, we were basically remote working for like a really long period of time. And then when we, we actually went through an incubator at the end of last year for three months. And so we were like put up in really swanky office spaces there. Like it was the, the incubator was uh, sponsored by a hedge fund. So we had like, you know, on-site chefs, you know, you yeah. know all that kind of stuff. All the um, snacks you can handle. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was insane. Get scooters to scooter around the office. <laughs> yeah. and it's not warm enough here. Yeah. <laughs> enough, yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then we, we, so once we left that place, um, we, we were basically like remote working. Um, and then we got an offer for office space from our latest investor, um, about two weeks before the lockdown started. So we were two weeks back in an office and now remote working again. So for yeah. us, it's kind of like business as usual. There's no real difference. Uh, we're still trying to work out kind of like the long-term plans as if we want to be, you know, a remote only company or should we look to do a hybrid model? I don't know. We're still yeah. too young and still fleshing all these things out. Um, so uh, we don't really have a, a decision yet on that. Yeah. And like, it's always, it always is interesting. It kind of depends on the size of the team and mm. right. Like how the team works. A lot, a lot of times we discount the personalities that go into it, right? Because there are definitely personalities that work better in, you know, a small team of three or four that they see every day. They've got the cadence and it works for them. There's others that need the flexibility. Uh, so, like, it's hard to say that there's one size that fits every yeah. single organization Definitely. that's out there. Yeah. I think anything that we're quite lucky about is because, like, Hunter is, like, a crowdsourcing platform, Um all of that kind of that, that supposed headcount that would be there if we were like a fully managed uh, team, we don't really have that. We're like most of the people who contribute like the hard value to Hunter are already remote, right? They they are the hunters. Yeah. So um, I think we are we're in a fortunate position if we were to 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 you know look to go remote only. Uh, but as you said, yeah, we've got to we've got to see what the team shaped up looks like and, and all mm. that kind of stuff. Well, let's see what happens out the back of uh, COVID and then. No, no, you have to decide right now on our <laughs> podcast. This is a requirement. <laughs> Get yeah, our we'll endorsement. Go for WeWork. Go for WeWork, yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, I, I mean, yeah, it's smart to, you know, to kind of play that game and, you know, figure out who's going to be, who's going to be there. So, uh, and I don't think we address this, right? Where are you guys actually based? You're not, you know, I'm, I like, I'm mountain standard. I'm in Salt Lake city, but and Ken's, you know, East coast. It sounds like you so guys we're, are. Yeah. yeah we're, we're all, we're all yeah. from London. Uh, okay. Adam is central and Jamie and I are more up north, uh, north of London. But, yeah. <laughs> so, um, 
but we we uh we're, we're planning if if all goes well we might we might be relocating stateside uh, down the road uh, so we'll we'll have to wait and see but maybe we'll maybe we'll see you uh, guys drop in. Well, yeah. well we'll come over across that direction first to see you right you know <laughs> yeah it's been, it's been it's been a little while but, but then you can right that's the, that's fine well and I, and I know we're you know you were we are pushing against time. I, I wish we did have another hour to spend because yeah. it, it feels like, you know, we're just getting into the conversation, especially with me missing. But um, <laughs> sorry. Like, Seth. No, it's fine. It's Actually, let's just blame Comcast. <laughs> yeah. That is the worst <laughs> internet provider in the history of internet providers. Yeah. <laughs> Needless to say, it's not sponsored by Comcast. No. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't worry. This just means that you guys have to have us back on, right? So we can yes. yeah, we'll yes. have a conversation flowing. Yeah. yeah. For sure. So uh, along those lines, uh, you know, uh, we've, we've posted the links to, you know, 100.dev and to 418sec. Where else can people find you? Um, probably not conferences in the next couple of months, but, you know, online, you know, where can they interact? So probably uh, Twitter, Instagram, Discord. These are like our major things. Any, any more, Jake, that I'm missing? No, say no. Oh, you're a bit robotic, uh, Jake, there. Yeah, you're a robot. Yeah, yeah that's a robot. robot. <laughs> um, yeah. I'd say, but, I'd say like the, the, the big, big, big one is, if, you know, for anyone that like kind of wants to get involved or contributing to open sources is, you know, GitHub. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely look at our organization, you know, github.com forward slash 48sec. Um, that's where all of our fixes are and the repositories that we've done those for. So, um, yeah, that's uh, like a really um, for us. Can you hear now? Hey, um, so, <laughs> sorry, I, I'm laughing too hard at that. Oh my God, it sounds so funny. <laughs> oh man, I I was gonna mention Seth. We should we <clears throat> we should um two things. One, we should mention that uh, we are going yeah. to try another virtual happy hour. Uh, you all are welcome. Everyone is welcome. Um, we posted in our Slack, and by the way, I did join your Discord. So uh, cool. Uh, and then another thing is for our course when people find vulnerabilities in open source, because like part of our course is at the very end, you actually go into real open source product. Pr Pro, uh, pro, projects, products, whatever you want to call them, find vulnerabilities. We've actually had people find serious vulnerabilities. We need to be having them go through hunter.dev, man. Yeah, to report them. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. Cause it, I mean, it would, yeah, it's like we've, we found some pretty good authorization issues and, and other things in open source projects that are out there that, that need to be fixed. And I know they haven't been addressed because I watched those projects after. So it'd be a good way to actually track that through. So maybe we'll, we'll, we'll push in that direction for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we, we'd love to, I mean, we're trying to like get in touch with lots of kind of those course providers, like also um, Hacker Rank, you know, all of those kind of uh, people who like teach code and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Cause we'd love to, yeah, anybody who's, you know, touching the kind of the security space and, and wants to make some cash, either finding or fixing a vulnerability as part of that course, definitely uh, hunter.dev. We want to be there. We want to help you guys. Um, uh, so yeah, get in touch. Sweet. You might be yeah, yeah, we will. And yeah. that's Jake's 
<laughs> yeah. 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 Now, now we can hear you a little no, bit. All, all I was going to say was, uh, and it's just to, just to repeat um, from Adam and Jamie, uh, Discord is probably the best play. We're, we're there. We're there every day. Uh, we sit there to work now because we're remote. Uh, we're, 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 you'll see us online and come and have a chat with us. Come talk to us. Come give us some ideas and uh, let's uh, let's let's do this. Really, let's get get this done together. Let's start fixing open source. Cool. I love it. Good deal. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, th- thanks again for joining us today. Um, Thank you for having uh, us. Yeah. Cheers, guys. We'll, we'll, we'll keep the conversation going. Join Discord and you know go from there. Well, awesome. awesome. See you guys around. Nice to yeah. meet you guys. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Thanks for connecting and. Thank you for your time. No, thank yeah. you. Thanks everybody for joining today. Uh, those that are listening, and we'll we'll catch you all online. Bye. <laughs>